This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this week present us with the inauguration of two great prophetic careers, those of Jeremiah and Jesus. Jeremiah tells us in the first reading how the Lord came to him when he was still a very young man and called him to prophesy. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. Extraordinary, isn't it? God claims to know Jeremiah from even before he was born, even before he was formed in the womb. See, God knows each one of us from all eternity. Jeremiah, though, protests his youth and inexperience, but God corrects him. Do not say you are too young. Then he tells this young man just what his prophetic career would be like. Listen. I have made you a fortified city, a pillar of iron, a wall of brass against the whole land. They will fight against you, but not prevail over you. Now here's what I want you to see. Jeremiah is being sent not just to Israel, but to all the nations. He's not just for the local people of Israel. He's being sent by the God of all the world to the nations. And this provides the setting for the gospel. The gospel today, which is taken from the fourth chapter of St. Luke. Jesus, fresh from his baptism and struggle with the devil, returns to his hometown He takes up the scripture at the synagogue and he chooses a passage to read. It's interesting that in our situation, usually a reading is assigned. The reader is given a reading. But in those days, the reader could choose what he wanted to interpret. Jesus decides to read from the prophet Isaiah, a passage dealing with with the messianic transformation of the world. When the Messiah would come, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, and a year of favor from the Lord would be proclaimed. But then here is the radical difference. Instead of citing this as a prophecy of what would one day come, he declares it fulfilled precisely in him. Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this was breathtaking stuff. Israelites were familiar with this passage. They knew about the messianic expectation. They were accustomed to hearing this as a dream, 
as a hope for what would come, but to hear someone standing right in front of them, indeed one of their own, say, today it's fulfilled in your hearing. Overwhelming, breathtaking. Now, in Mark's telling of this story, the people immediately respond negatively. They just, they just can't take this. But in Luke's version, the one for today, the audience initially is positive. And all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. And then we see now in Luke's telling why they were so favorable, at least initially. Listen. They also asked, isn't this the son of Joseph? See, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Well, if this man is, in fact, the Messiah, and he's a local boy, he's the son of this, this person that we know, we will benefit enormously. See how the logic is working here. If, if he's telling the truth, he really is the Messiah, and he's from our town, we know him, well, this will be good for us. Jesus senses this immediately. Here's what he says. Surely you will quote me this proverb. Physician, cure yourself. And say, do here in your native place the things we heard were done in Capernaum. Now, what's going on here? Well, the buzz about Jesus had obviously gotten around. He's been preaching. He's been teaching. He's also been curing the sick. He's been doing remarkable, amazing things. Now that he's back home and he's publicly claimed messiahship, the people are expecting him to flood them with benefits. Remember Tip O'Neill, the great uh, politician who said, all politics is local. That's what you're sensing here. This is local politics. This one can benefit us. But Jesus commences to throw them for a loop. Precisely at this moment when you would think he would take advantage of his popularity. I mean, someone of a lesser stripe would say, hey, here's my moment. The people think I'm the Messiah. They think I'm going to benefit them. I will take advantage of this. But Jesus does something else. Listen. He invokes two little-known and uneasy stories from the Old Testament tradition. The first dealing with Elijah the prophet. He reminds them, during a time of drought, Elijah was sent, not to an Israelite, but to a widow of Sidon, the widow of Zarephath. In other words, to a foreigner. Hmm. Elijah, the great prophet of Israel, chosen by Yahweh, the God of Israel, but at this propitious moment, at this time of great need, he sent not to an Israelite. He is sent to an outsider, to a foreigner. He doesn't benefit Israel here, but someone from Sidon. And then Jesus evokes another little-known and strange story from the Old Testament. This one dealing with Elijah's successor, Elisha the prophet. He says, during the time of Elisha, 
It was Naaman the Syrian who was cleansed of leprosy. This interesting story about Naaman who was a general but a, a, from another country, from a rival country of Israel, suffering from leprosy, and he comes to Israel, and Elisha tells him to bathe in the river, and he's cured of his leprosy. Here's what Jesus is saying. At this moment of need, this prophet of Israel benefited not Israel, but an outsider. At these key moments in its history, God attended to the needs of the other nations and not the needs of Israel. Jesus is reminding his own townspeople now of something that is central to their own religious tradition but often overlooked. What we saw in the first reading dealing with Jeremiah, namely, that Israel exists not for its own sake, but for the sake of the world, for the sake of the other nations. Israel was not meant to bask in the glory of being called. Rather, they were meant to be the means by which God gathers the world. They were meant to be a magnet to the other nations. Just as Jeremiah is called and sent to the nations, not just to Israel. The very glory of Israel was that it didn't grasp at glory, but rather became a vehicle for God's love. Now, we can tell immediately in the gospel context this is not a very popular message. Luke says, when the people in the synagogue heard this, they were filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill. That's a pretty angry mob. A few minutes ago, they were saying how wonderful he is, all these gracious words coming from his lips. Now they're so angry they want to kill him. Why? Why? Because Jesus won't give them what they want. He won't be a Messiah for them alone. Okay, you say, well, that's interesting. I suppose from ancient times, how do the Israelites read their history, how they understand the Messiah, but what does this have to do with us? Well, an awful lot. We can easily fall into the same trap of expecting God to benefit us all the time, expecting God's grace to smile on us and give us good health, success, happiness, etc., I'm a member of the church, I've been baptized, I come to Mass, I follow the Lord's commands, and I should get something good out of that. But see, our purpose as church people, our purpose as those who are baptized, is precisely the purpose of Israel. To be ourselves the conduits of God's love to the rest of the world. What if God wants to use us even now as he used Israel as a vehicle of grace to others? Friends, here's some advice, practical advice, a way to break out of this self-centered attitude. Learn to cooperate with grace wherever you find it. 
Sometimes God blesses you very directly. That's true. When he does, rejoice and cooperate as fully as you can with that flow of grace. But sometimes God blesses others more directly. He gives them success, health, happiness. Good. Cooperate with that. Get on board. See how you can, in that case, enhance the flow of grace. What do we fall into, though? The trap of resentment. How come I didn't get that? How come God didn't give me success and happiness, power? Well, sometimes he gives that to you. When he does, cooperate with it. Other times, he gives it to the nations. Cooperate with that. Here's what you'll find. You will find great joy in either case. Keep telling yourself your ultimate purpose is to be a vehicle of grace for the world. If things aren't going well for you directly, well, that's not the end of the world. Grace can always be found if we have the eyes to see it. And when we see it, get on board. Cooperate with it. Rejoice in it. Don't ask first and foremost, what's in it for me? That's the question that they asked in uh, Capernaum. Don't ask that question. Rather ask, Lord, where is your grace? And wherever it is, how can I cooperate with it? Then you'll find joy. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers. Every day, everywhere.